podcast. My name is Jake. I am an L.A. transplant from New Jersey and two-time former co-worker of Erica. It cost me nothing to sit here and say this, but it could save somebody everything. I always wonder, do these feelings come up as a result of your parents, as a result of your environment? And you're saying your parents are wonderful. Yeah, both super, super nice people. I'm finding out more about my dad in recent years because they got divorced when I was in first grade weekends with him, weekdays with my mom. The bulk of the topic, Uh I would say, stemmed from environment and just me as a person. This all happened pretty much prior to high school. This was in seventh grade, my low, low, low point. What was the catalyst? Just a very general feeling of inadequacy. I was a very shy kid, shy, introverted kid, Mm -hmm. maybe a little on the weirder side. Just finding it difficult to hold conversations, I guess. But that just sounds like maybe you were shy. Definitely. It's like I wouldn't get the door for the pizza man. Kind of like shy. Oh, (laughs) cute. (laughs) You know, in elementary school and middle school, I was by eighth grade, by graduation, the third shortest boy in our grade. (laughs) This was before my growth spurt. And then even after my growth spurt, I was still underweight. Like you, you see me now. Six three, yeah, lumberjack like <laughs> Paul Bunyan type, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you didn't look like that in seventh grade. <laughs> no. <laughs> I hit it early, but not quite. I had a summer where I passed yeah. six foot. Was it painful? Not that I remember. I don't think I got growing pains. Oh my god, I got growing pains, and I'm like <laughs> five three, and I feel like all my bones would hurt at one point. My uh, my brother definitely got growing pains, but I, I didn't notice it. To go from the third shortest to six feet and how, <laughs> what what was that's, the time span there? Probably like three to four months. Damn. Yeah. Cause I, I know that must feel fucking awesome. Oh, it's like you're was. a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I really didn't notice it. And also I never really felt tall in my life because in high school uh-huh. I was friends with two, six, seven people, oh. a six, six person. A 6'5 person. My brother is 6'4. Some of my other friends are like all in the 6'2, 6'1 range. So I just. Oh my God. So you've just been around giants. I'm I'm median. What's it like to be tall? It feels good when people ask you. Yes. Can you help me? And I'm like, Excuse me, can you help? (laughs) (laughs) Growing up, I was a very honest person. Honesty was always a key tenet to just be honest. So around the point when people started lying to make themselves seem a little better and everything, that's when things started to change a little bit for me, or at least when I think back on it. Because people would start bragging about doing stuff that they never did, but I was too honest a person that I would start getting in my own head. I'm not doing these things, or hey, I'm I'm not having these experiences is something up. I also have a hard time believing that people enjoy being around me. You know, that's just kind of something you need to take somebody at their word for. I started getting into this pattern where, well, I was wondering if... uh, people were genuinely wanting to be around me or if they were just tolerating my presence. So Mm -hmm. I would try to imagine, I was like, if I were gone the next day, how would people respond? Uh. 
Been there. We started getting into that, thinking about it over and over again. Wasn't quite liking what I was coming coming back with. So that. So what were people lying about? Yeah, it's just stupid stuff that yeah. uh, grade schoolers would talk about. Like, yeah. oh yeah. Like, was any of it sexual stuff? Yeah, probably. I would imagine that sounds uh, familiar. Ay, boys. Yeah, talking about girls. Yeah, that's a thing. So, it was the boys you were around? I guess, and just me in general. Did you have any cool guy friends? Yeah, who? Of course. Okay. Of course, I I, I had friends. <laughs> no, but I just mean, did you have like? Any good friends? Because I oh, think yeah. sometimes people think that like a measure of how well you're doing is like how many friends you have. But right. I don't think it's a question of whether you had friends or not. I think it's a question right. of whether the friends you had were good friends or not. When I consider who I still talk to today, it's only like two people from that point in my life. Uh-huh. I mainly regularly talk to people from high school and college still. I had uh, four like main core friends that I hung out most of the time. Generally, on good terms with most people. Especially now, I'm better at letting things roll off my back. But I was used to be very sensitive as well as shy. Mm. So anytime anybody said anything to me, I would take it to heart. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad quality to have. It's just rough. It is rough. I totally get it. it I have the up. same quality. <laughs> that's the main reason why. I was thinking about this topic in particular mm-hmm. because I think your last blog post, mm-hmm. I was reading it about it, and uh, I believe you talked about what you feel when you're feeling depressed. Yes. And I was reading it, I was like, hmm, sounds a lot like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not alone, and I think it's good to vocalize it. I think that I say this right. probably in all of my podcasts, or at least the last several. The name of the podcast, This Is Easy With Friends, mm-hmm. it's very intentional. Yeah. It's meant to make people feel less alone. And the word friends is also very intentional because I don't just mean like people. I mean like people who get it, people Mm -hmm. who are warm and kind and understanding and know what it's like to feel like an oddball out. Mm -hmm. Different from your experience, which was at school, all of the worst things that were ever said about me were said at home. Mm. In the name of protecting me from people at school, like saying things like, I'm telling you this truth because I'd rather you hear it from me first than go to school and like hear somebody say something mean about you and then be hurt. Like a hard in your heart type scenario. Yes. Mm. And it didn't work. Um, It's kind of a risky approach. I've always been a sensitive person. If I had a dime... For every time somebody told me I was too sensitive, probably mm-hmm. have like three bucks. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been told that a lot. I have come to find that my sensitivity is my biggest weakness mm. and my biggest strength. Mm-hmm. Because it is my sensitivity that allows me to understand people better. It kind of makes me think before I act. Right. It, yeah. Empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of things could be explained by realizing that a lot of people lack empathy. Oh, <laughs> no kidding. So you felt inadequate in seventh grade and low, 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 meaning you already felt depressed, already started having thoughts about what if I wasn't around? Yeah. When I said a lot of this comes down to environment, one of the biggest things about the area I grew up in in New Jersey. It was a 
big problem in the area. There were a lot of suicides of students throughout different grades. The town I grew up in was one square mile, a few thousand people. Yeah. The school district was a little bigger than that, but not very big. When we kept getting the news that a student has passed, it would keep shaking the community to the core. Right. And so it was at the back of everybody's minds. Yes. Like I distinctly remember biking home one time from a friend's house and seeing the police cordoning off the train tracks <gasps> and thinking like, not again. Oh, no. So it was just a very present feeling. I come to find out relatively recently that I think a lot of it was apparently related to opioid ep- epidemic. I, From my experience, that doesn't factor in because law enforcement household, so I was pretty insulated from that. We We were told this at young age, like, yeah. hey, they always have the seminars that like bullying and whatnot. I would not say I was bullied. If I look back on it and think about the things that were said to me, it was just kid things. Yeah. Like no, nothing super bad or anything. Like not like nobody beat me up. <laughs> and nobody said anything to make you feel small. No, no. It was just general teasing. But because I was so sensitive as a kid and took everything to no. heart, it just... Jake, <laughs> stop. You're blaming your, you're gaslighting yourself. Yeah. You're gaslighting yourself right now. And I'm going to stop you because stop I, I don't want you to gaslight yourself. I know what you're saying, but there is no excuse for saying mean things. Yeah. I don't care how sensitive you were. People should have been considerate. I think there's just a, you know, just common courtesy says you don't say mean shit to people. Yeah. And even light teasing is fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up. You know, I introspect a lot. So mm-hmm. I, I was actually just thinking about this recently about like what annoys me or, and why it annoys me and stuff. Yeah. Do you have Do you have any like core memories that you think about and you're like, oh, yes, this caused me to be this way. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Lots of those. So I, I was thinking about this and it's, it's kind of funny. Like I, I look back on it and I can see the humor now. Okay. But I also realized that it fucked me up for a real long time. Okay. If people like say something about me that's not true, people might notice like I meet like my instinct is to just correct is yeah. to correct people like no like like no this was my intention or stuff like that yeah because I don't want people thinking incorrect things about me right that basically stems from people not believing me oh. when I'm telling the truth yes oh and my like, god yes okay yes that that makes it instantly makes my blood boil in first grade you know yeah. just a day like any other. Asked to go to the bathroom. That should have been the end of the story right there. But uh, instead, when I get to the bathroom, there were two kids that were younger than me. So they were they were definitely in kindergarten. And they were just splashing around water oh. in, from the sink, just yucking it up, having a good time in the mm-hmm. bathroom, mm-hmm. as kindergartners do. I didn't know them. So I just you know went to the stall and got to work. Not long after that, I hear the door open. And I hear somebody who's like, what are you doing? Yeah, in the hallway now. The two kids get brought into the hallway and that's it yes bathroom's completely silent that should have been the other end to the story but it wasn't instead the door opens again start hearing footsteps i see a dude peer into the stall through the crack in the stall Uh and look at me while i'm going to the bathroom turns walks out the door i thought that was really weird Uh and probably hella embarrassing yeah uh, okay yeah (laughs) yeah Wash my hands, and then as soon as I step out the door, he was waiting for me out there. 
Okay. He says, uh, who's your teacher? Mrs. Gale. He takes me back to the room and he tells her he was causing trouble in the bathroom with some other kids. So I say, what a prick being the honest person that I am. I don't know these kids. I just went to the bathroom because that's what I was there to do. And my teacher looked at me and said, I wish I could believe you, but I can't. (gasps) And sent me home with a frowny face note. You know, I told my mom and she was like, I believe you. And that was the end of it. So (laughs) it was, it was a good mom, low stakes. Nothing really came of it, but it was my first taste of injustice. Yeah. (laughs) No, that is injustice. Because you tell the truth and people just don't believe. Yeah. Well, I think adults are just like, sometimes they get on these power trips and they think like that they know better Mm -hmm. instead of asking. And that's very typical of when we grew up. I was very lucky to have my mom believe me too. Mm -hmm. Even though sometimes I wasn't telling the truth. (laughs) I definitely lied to my mom a few times about what I did at school and she had my back still big time. And oh man, she went to bat for me. And sometimes I was like, Ooh, (laughs) not for this one. But she just, you know, she just went into like mother bear, like, no, I know my kid. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't lie to me. And I'm like, (laughs) but I did. That was your first taste of injustice. It was. The core memory was some people just don't care about the truth. You know, I'm starting to see a little more of that. Yeah. Like recently and recently, but Uh it just instilled this distaste for not being believed. And it taught me. Even if you tell the truth, it might not even matter. If the truth was end-all, be-all, like people like to say, you know, if you're telling the truth, you got nothing to hide. Well, if that was true, people wouldn't end up on death row for crimes they didn't commit. That translated into school. So, like, you know, when regular, you know, normal teasing, instead of, like, playing into it or whatever, I would be like, no, I don't want people believing stuff about me that's not true. And I, I couldn't reconcile because it would get a reaction out of me. Yes. And so people love to get a rise. Exactly. And then they tease you further. (laughs) And this wasn't like an everyday kind of thing. But, you know, when it doesn't have to be, that shit sucks. Of course. So when it did happen, it would like instantly bring my blood to a boil. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, exactly. So I was just like, okay, this sucks. (laughs) My mom, she used to, we would be talking about someone on TV and I'd say like, "Uh, I don't really like her that much. Like, I don't, I don't think she's that great. And my mom would be like, well, that's just because you're jealous of her. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. And she'd be like, yeah, you are. That's what it is. And I'd be like, I'm I'm not fucking jealous of her. (laughs) Like, I'm not. That's not how I feel. But the Mm -hmm. look on her face was like she knew the truth and I didn't. And I was like, dude, that's not true. And you're (laughs) like, you you've made this story up in your mind about me Mm -hmm. and it's not fucking true. And I don't like it. Yeah. And so I know I know what that feels like. It's very upsetting it gets to me it gets to me in a way like nothing else does Mm -hmm. no i get it so there's a book called the highly sensitive person by elaine aaron this last six months of my life was very difficult Mm. i quit my job i immediately felt really lost Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed i had talked to a mentor and she gave me this like laundry list of things to do in order to start embarking on this new career and the laundry list just seemed Like, too much. I got really scared. Like, I had made a mistake. And then I also was like, am I? I'm not even good at this. What am I doing? Why did I do this to myself? 
I would find myself seeking validation a lot, wanting people to say things Mm -hmm. in support of what I was doing. And then if they didn't, I would feel like they don't believe in me. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in me. And kind of placing my value in the hands of others, which is a really bad habit that I have, is to like go and have somebody else's feelings about me mean more to me than my own feelings about myself. Right, like not getting the self-satisfaction, but wanting to hear other people's acknowledgement. Yes, constantly. I I would talk to my therapist about it. I subscribed to this app called Scribed. The algorithm discovered that I liked certain things and it recommended this book to me called The Highly Sensitive Person. And as I was reading the book, I was like, this is me to a T. Sensitivity to really loud noise. Just sensitive to a lot of things. Like not just sensitive about the things that people say, but like just generally sensitive about like weird shit. Some people are way more sensitive than others, but reading this book made me feel super normal. (laughs) Super normal. Like this woman who wrote the book had feelings kind of like the ones that you're talking about. And then she started to do some research. And then she found that there were a lot of people who were just like her and were really sensitive. It was an incredible book. And then it made me less afraid to talk about these things. Right. And that's when I think I really took off and said, like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. If people hate it, I just have to be my biggest fan throughout this whole process. Exactly. You're the only person whose opinion that matters on it. I've been just telling myself that I enjoy my podcast. Yeah. I got to do it. But the point is, I'm hearing you say the things that I would say before I understood that this feeling Mm -hmm. is super normal. Right. And it's fine to be brought to your knees sometimes by the world or Mm -hmm. by the weight of the sensitivity or whatever, because it's still possible to like find that strength within yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of an uphill battle Mm -hmm. and it requires being uncomfortable a lot. Of course. It's worth it also. Tell me about, you said that was your first taste of injustice. That basically built until I was thinking I was having suicidal thoughts each night. Wow. If I were gone the next day, how would people respond? Would people be yeah. indifferent? I would I would cry some of those nights. Yeah, of course. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, the thing that really kept me from going through with any of these plans, I would also think about what my family would think, mm-hmm. how they would react. And that was the main thing that would make me cry. Oh. And I was like, I, I could not do this to them. Oh, I love it. I couldn't do it because it, it was too real. Like me imagining how they would react, it was too real to me, and I couldn't. I couldn't put them through that. It all came to a head one day mm-hmm. at recess. We were just playing a game like any other day. Something like fight over a tennis ball, you know? Yeah. Very highbrow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, at one moment, I went for the ball, and like somebody shoved me out of the way. Of course, you know, just playing the game. Nothing. Nothing targeted. I exploded. I just fucking broke down right there and revealed that like, yeah, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Oh, Jake. immediately one of my friends went right to the nurse and told the nurse what I said. It's pretty much just like, fuck, just like kill myself or something like that. I I don't even remember. I can't even like get in the mindset anymore. And obviously my parents were called. I, I was taken out of school early that day, of course. Had to had to talk to the therapist about um, how I got to that point, and I hated it. I and you hated therapy. I'm not saying that that's that therapy's bad. Or no, not it's for not everybody. for everyone. It's, but it's not. But it is an amazing resource that people should. 
definitely consider if they're mm. ever feeling, you know, beaten down in any way. What did you hate about it? I just didn't like recounting what made me feel shitty to, oh, to a stranger. Yeah. Couple that with being shy kind of makes sense. Yes. I was like, I won't feel this way again if it means I don't have to go back to therapy. You know, in retrospect, that's why I like think like, you know, maybe maybe I didn't have it so bad because I was able to overcome it relatively easily. But ever since then, I started to internalize, and that's how I started to learn from it and get stronger because of it. I've learned to let things roll off my back. I was always the type of person who wanted to be friends with everybody. Yeah. And I heard way too late the saying, you could be the sweetest peach on the tree, but some people just don't like peaches. And that's fine. That's okay. So like, I used to get all fucked up, like, oh, do they like me? I I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. And I still do get a little bit of that every now and again. I'm also okay. So are you saying that that was the last time that you ever felt that way? So that was the last time I ever felt suicidal. I still get into my episodes where I'm like, I, I just don't know. Haven't heard from anybody in a while. People oh. don't reach out to me. Mm. Oh, man, I feel that same way. And I know I am bad about reaching out to people because mm-hmm. I always get the thought in my head like, oh, you know, if they, if they want me around... They would text me. I feel the same way. If I reach out to somebody, like ignored or whatever, left on read, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, am I being an imposition? Like, Aww. am I bothering somebody? Maybe, yeah. maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, samesies. I do the exact same thing. And I was making this joke. I was at an engagement party last weekend for whatever reason. I started being really honest about my loneliness, but like in a funny way because I right. didn't want to be too heavy. I mean, of course. I mean, <laughs> but, kind of like this. I mean, heavy talk, but still light enough. Yes. Yes. You know, you want people to be able to listen to it. It's okay to get like emotional and everyone's lonely. Mm-hmm. Everyone's lonely as fuck. Right. Even with company. Even, you know, like I have Ralph. I'm married. I like, I don't have a reason to be lonely. Mm-hmm. but I'm lonely and I have the exact same thoughts where I'm just like, I will have a period of time where I'm just like reaching out, making plans, doing this, doing that. And I'm like, is anybody ever going to reciprocate that? Mm-hmm. Is anyone ever going to ask me to hang out? And then I start to think that I'm not valuable. Mm-hmm. I, I do get a little bit of that too. Mm. Like my, my dad is also like me, bit bad at reaching out. He He's like left some big life events Mm -hmm. out and only told me about it weeks later. Like uh, when my grandma passed, I didn't find out until like a week later, the funeral was already scheduled for like two days, like in advance. I'm like, well, I can't fly across the country for that. The real, real kicker. Mm -hmm. He texted, he was like, Hey, how are you? How's it going? He called. Mm -hmm. And I was like, good. What's up with you? And he was like, "Um, yeah, I was just in like the hospital for the last six weeks. And I'm like, "Um, excuse me, back, back it up. What happened? He had like spinal stenosis. Oh my God. So he was in his apartment. Then he just dropped to the ground. <gasps> he was no feeling in his hands and legs. And he wow. spent 24 hours in his apartment crawling to his phone to call 911 without feeling in his hands. Kept knocking the phone under the chair. Oh, so shit. He had, he had to get multiple surgeries. You know, six weeks later, he's like, hey, yeah, doing my physical therapy. Have to relearn how to walk. And I'm like... And That's a big deal. I'm like I only know about this now. My family will hang out and not invite me. They'll like Oh really? Yeah, they'll like do things like all, like <sighs> my grandpa died in 2015 and mm-hmm. I was really close to him. He passed away in February, so everybody would get together in February. They all went out to dinner. 
Really? They all went out to dinner to celebrate my grandpa. Every single person in my family and nobody, nobody texted, nobody let me know a motherfucking thing. I can't even fathom that. It was painful. So I cried a lot about that one. Yeah. And I have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. A lot of great friends and a lot of people that I talk to regularly, but I don't feel like, and this is probably me making it up in my head, but like, I don't feel like I'm that important to anyone. Mm. Yeah. That's like a real feeling that I have that people don't reach out to me. They forget about me or they think I'm doing well. So they're just like, she's good. She's got a lot of friends. She's got like things that she's doing. So, you know, she's fine. I am so not fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm crumbling, everyone. <laughs> I get that exact, exact same feeling. Yeah. And I, I get it around the same time of year, around my birthday, because... Nobody reaches out on your birthday. Well, that's what happens when you're born two days after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So while everybody, yeah. you know, throughout the year, they get happy birthday wishes, little get-togethers, things at work, yeah. all that stuff. Yes. My birthday comes around, and I'm lucky if 10 people say anything to me. The 27th. 27th. Mm-hmm. So everybody's always away doing everything. My birthday usually just comes and goes, and I, I do whatever. It is a very lonely time of year, and as I mentioned, my dad being not the best at reaching out, Yeah. even he's... he forgot one year. My dad showed up my, at my work a few days later, apologized. Did you get a good gift? Did he give you some money or something? Yeah. (laughs) Consolation prize? Yeah. The gifts were never the issue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. In my house either. That's how my mom showed love. She'd be like, I bought you this thing. And I'm like, I just wish you'd tell me you love me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Did your parents tell you that they loved you? My mom makes sure to let me know all the time. Like in every every conversation. They try to talk bi-weekly, do like a little Zoom. (laughs) <laughs> oh, mom. But yeah. Yes, I love your mom. She She's the best. She's uh, really done everything in all regards. Immense amount of respect for her. Oh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that just because she's probably going to listen to this. <laughs> That's, I love it. What's your mom's name? Tony. Hi, Tony. With we love I. you. Tony, I would, That's how I would have spelled <laughs> it, actually. Uh, she's she's always been all, all my friends, all my brother's friends. They always They always love her. Oh, yeah, she sounds great. I mean, just the fact that she tells you that she loves you is a huge deal. No, I mean, I know my mom loves me. And my mom and I, we've done a lot of work on our relationship. We did not tell each other that we loved each other when I was growing up. This one time I had a talk with her. I was like, Mom, listen, I think we really need to start telling each other that we love each other because you just never know. And she was like, yeah. Totally. We're going to start doing that. So I said, all right, well, before you leave for work every day, like you got to come tell me that you love me. And so she got up the next day, gets in her car, drives off. I booked it down the street. Mom, (laughs) mom, I got to the end of the street. She was long gone, but I was like, oh, man, I guess that's over. So I didn't try again. I just figured like if it doesn't matter to her, then. Yeah. So trying to control other people. Well, I think that the work that needs to be done, at least on my end, and I realized this because of the argument that Ralph and I just had, is that I need to work on being grateful for the the good stuff. And that's where I kind of lose sight of things sometimes. Like Ralph helps me out around the house. He planned my whole fucking birthday. He supported my dream to to stop working and start working on the podcast. He bought me the podcast equipment. 
everything on paper is like Ralph adores me. But I was like annoyed that he didn't want to write me a birthday card. And he's like, that's not my thing. Like, but I did all this, you know, and I'm just like, when he put it into perspective, when we sat and talked (laughs) about it, I was like, man, I really am being difficult. Mm. I am so fixated on the words that I'm not even seeing all the actions, which mean really so much more. But you're self-aware about it. Uh, Today, just today this happened. And I was like, I really, I don't think I was self-aware. I think I'm just now learning like that I take a lot of things for granted Mm -hmm. and I focus a lot on the things in my life that aren't going well. And I don't focus on the fact that like a lot of people maybe do reach out and I just like, right. my friend Kim, I could send her a text and like, maybe she won't respond right away, but like, she's always there for me. And I'm just like, I'm lonely. I have no friends, but Mm -hmm. I do. I just... It's Sometimes just getting I, in your own head. Mm-hmm. And that's where the pandemic really threw everything into out of oh. whack. Because I took that super seriously at the start. Uh, uncle's doctors. So um, yeah. took it super seriously. Six months. Because I think I went straight to September without like, you know, really hanging out. I was just around my uh, my roommates. By the first time I hung out, like, you know, and actually did normal stuff in September, I just forgotten how to talk to people. Just completely. And it's like, yeah, I kind of liked where I was at pre-pandemic. And post-pandemic, yeah. I feel like um, I'm off the path in the bushes somewhere. Oh. A heavy fog. I lost my way with pandemic being over. Heavy quotation marks. Things are things are returning to a sense of normalcy. But, you know, it's just sure. crystallizing, like, all the thoughts, realizing where I'm at now. When I was in high school, I had really, and still do, really bad menstrual cramps. Mm. Like, I can't function properly. Like, it just feels like I'm dying. Yeah. And I'm not one to, I'm a hippie. (laughs) I'm not going to take Motrin. People are always like, oh, just take, um, you know, some Midol and it's fine. No, I don't want that shit in my body. Mm -hmm. But anyway, my aunt, who's a doctor, she recommended that I go on birth control. She's like, that's really going to help with your menstrual cramps. So I go on birth control. Before I know it, like I'm gaining a ton of weight. Mm. My sex drive, non-existent pretty much. I felt like a zombie. And these feelings that I'm like, or this stuff that I'm talking about with my family, of them not inviting me, of them not thinking about me, it really got to me. And things just got really dark And I started to have those thoughts that you were talking about. Like, you know what? If I wasn't around, would people even care? Would it even matter? And then on the other side, it was like almost like a fantasizing about people being sad. Mm -hmm. Like having these thoughts of like, man, maybe then my family would like really realize how much I matter. And then they would care. Mm-hmm. And that's like how I thought about it. And I'm like, man, that's fucking weird and fucked up that I'm having that thought. But that's how I would think. I, I, same. I, you know, um, the song, Mad World. Yes. The dreams in which I'm dying are the mm. best I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But it's it's like grasping at anything mm-hmm. to get the sense that the people around you actually care yes. about your existence. That's it. That's all you want is just some kind of clue that you matter. And that's exactly how it would work in my mind. Mm-hmm. My dreams would come or just like me sitting there in silence and I'd be like, if I just died tonight, 
then I would really shake things up for everybody. Mm. And hopefully they would see how much I matter. But then by then it'd be too late, you know, because I'd be gone. Mm-hmm. Yes, this dream of ma- of mattering. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the cycle. Feel isolated. Think about other people caring and just trying to feed back into that. Because it it's hard to reach out and say, hey, I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. Can we hang out? Yeah. Can we spend some time together? I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. And hearing myself say it, I'm like, that actually wouldn't sound so bad. And if somebody asked me, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. Let's go bowling. Yeah, same. Um, but I just don't have the courage, I guess. It, it's tough because, you know, if somebody's busy, mm-hmm. it'll just feel crushing. Like, yes, okay. the rejection. Like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, sure, I'd like to hang out, but I can't. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, are they saying that to spare my feelings? Yeah. Or... You know, yeah. are they actually busy? Right. I generally like to assume people are telling me the truth. So This is so enlightening right now because I feel like talking about this is making me realize why I have like some rocky relationships in my life. Right. And it's because it's not because I don't have good friends. It's because when friends aren't available for me, I interpret that as them not caring about me. Like an attack. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's a flaw in my thinking. I understand it completely because I get I get the same feeling. The fact that it makes you question your worth is probably the worst part than going, you know what? If you actually cared, you'd be there for me because that's what I would do. But there have been times where I'm busy and overwhelmed or like feeling so sad that I don't feel like I can hang out, mm-hmm. which is another thing that happens when I get really down. I love people yeah, and I love hanging out with people. But when I'm sad... I I can't do it. I get stuck. I consider myself like an introverted extrovert. I'm definitely an introvert and like definitely shy, but I like, I want to be friendly with everybody and always hanging out with people. Yes. It just doesn't come naturally to me. I hear that. You know, I try to be friendly and if I, and if like I have a common reason to talk with somebody, totally fine. But if that reason goes away, I get real awkward, stumble. I feel like I'm the kind of person that can have a conversation with anyone at any time. But then I have like these moments where I feel like I really connect with someone. I almost start to feel like I get a little creepy. (laughs) You know, like I'm just like, man, I really enjoyed hanging out with that person. Like, I hope we can hang out again soon. And then I'm like, man, I really need to scale that back. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. It's hard because I grew up as an only child. Because I was kind of neglected. I sometimes feel really sad that I bring this up on the podcast because I know my family listens. But I'm like, this is also the truth. Yeah. You know, this is the truth of what happened. It is you. Mm-hmm. It, it's you. Hiding it. Yeah. doesn't help people. It, it, it's always good to remember the times mm-hmm. that have made you feel like shit. As masochistic as that sounds. Yeah. Because learning the lessons is... It's the important part, right? right? If if I didn't learn to mm-hmm. take it easy and yes. just let shit roll off my back, I'd just be a, a ball of nerves. What's the second darkest moment of your life? So actually, it was at my first job out here. More, more on the recent side. I started a new job mm-hmm. and I got put right next to uh, one of the girls on my team. And we pretty much hit off right away. We got mm-hmm. along really well. Five five days a week in the office from 9 to 10, we started to get really friendly. People in the uh, office started to take notice. At like an after party for like one of our events, two of my superiors came up to me and quartered me. And they were like, hey, so you two 
is anything going on there? You two are really cute together. And I'm like, this is a new experience for me. Uh, this is this is work. I kind of mm-hmm. got really rigid idea of like what professionalism should be. So I, I pretty much just try to dismiss it as nonchalantly as possible. I'm like, uh, who knows? That That was that. Later, later in that same evening, I talked to two of the same people on our team and they said, we definitely think she likes you. She's got a thing for you. Okay. I still think I should be professional and, you know, not say anything. So, um, I didn't until eventually it started gnawing at me. Like, I don't know if this is a thing. Maybe they know something I don't. I can't quite just ignore this. So eventually I decided that I was going to say something. This, this job was only temporary. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was trying to originally wait until the end so I can then say something and peace out without interrupting work or anything. We were we were in New York. We were in the lead up to our show. So the night before, everybody was, you know, kind of doing their own thing. And, and I was out with uh, two of the people on the team getting some Snapchats every now and again that always said like, hey, come to this place from, from this girl. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm about to leave this place soon. I'll let you know when I'm out of my way. And we ended up staying longer. So by the time I left, I said, hey, I'm on my way. No response. Oh. Um, get there. Say, hey, I'm online. No response. Get through the line. Get into the place. Walk around the place a few times. Don't see her. Hey, I'm here. No response. So eventually I'm just like, okay, it's two in the morning. I'm, I'm going back to the hotel so yeah. I can actually get sleep for work tomorrow. So I say like, yeah, real nice uh, seeing you. See you tomorrow. And as I'm walking, like, by myself in, like, by Madison Square Garden, I get a text, like, gonna die tomorrow. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? What? Yeah. Like, gonna die tomorrow, ha. And it just started eating at me. Yeah. So I I felt funky that whole day, but I was trying to do my job, so. And then we had our after party. And at the bar, she went up to, to the bar to grab some drinks. I think this is the moment, now or never, I actually just have to say something. So I went up, you know, kind of a lewd. People in the office keep talking about us. Mm-hmm. And I got, oh, haha. And she walks away. I'm oh. like, okay, good to know where I stand. I can deal with that. Yeah. I at least know now. So the night continues. There's a different after party, which she wasn't at. She, she went somewhere else, and the majority of us all went to this after party. Mm-hmm. And once again, superiors were saying like, hey, so you two, you two. And this time I tried to play it off as nonchalantly as the first time didn't go that smoothly a bit more animated this Mm -hmm. time but i was like i don't know i just want to get off the topic i just felt weird we get back to la and everything just feels different it feels funky and it just starts eating at me i i actually think i had a few panic attacks just getting in my head about what happened and why everybody's treating me differently oh no i certainly didn't handle this well Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know i'm trying to do everything right just like that, it's stupid. Learn from it now, but but that's all that happened. Like they just nothing ever came of it. No, nothing, nothing ever happened. That and it, it, I started getting treated differently at work. Like oh, she liked you. Uh, I I don't know. She liked you, and you didn't make the move, and she told everybody that you didn't make the move. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I don't know. That's what happened. Maybe it is. She totally liked you. I am dense. You know what? <laughs> I I do miss stuff, so. So nothing came of that? You Like, did you leave that job? Did, what happened, Jake? We eventually, yeah, the job eventually ended, and, and that, that was that. That girl liked you. <laughs> well. well. <laughs> she should have said something. One of the first days, we had a conversation, and she was like, yeah, I, I guess I have a very flirtatious personality. People think. I like them a lot. They'll like say something to me and I'll be like, okay. So I'm like, okay, oh. bank this, keep this in mind. 
Yeah. Like, uh, don't mistake any signs. Okay, here's how I'm seeing this. When she texts you that she was at the other place, she wanted you right. to come right over, and right. you took time. Right. Like, you didn't value her. I didn't notice that in the moment. Cause and I'm, then I'm, she I'm, got I'm hurt. Dumb. Gonna die tomorrow. What the fuck is that? Gonna die tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, that's gonna die tomorrow. Ha ha. That's what it said. But I didn't know, because I was I was dumb. I, I'm, I'm dense. I don't assume people... People think like that with me. Oh. I understand. And I, I like see like all the facets now. Cause like when I originally was thinking back on, it, I was like, yeah, I was like set up in this whole shitty scenario. And now I'm like, uh, wait a minute. I might be dumb. Is she <laughs> still around? Do you still think about her? Do you? St- what? Well, no, I just think about this situation in general because uh, it, it embarrasses me, but I like to keep it at the forefront of my mind to like learn from it. Did you like her? Yeah. I, I really like talking with her, and I, I was crushing, of course. She's happily married now. <laughs> it's okay. And this is your second most devastating story? I would say so. Just like the whole like aftermath of just like everybody treating me differently and just feeling like I was isolated. Her rejection, whatever. It wasn't a rejection. A rejection <laughs> would have been, no, Jake, I'm not interested. Yeah. But hers was like, oh, haha. Like, what else? That's rough. That's rough. It is. and That's rough because I'm sure there's plenty of women out there who play it like that and plenty of men out there who play it like you and vice versa. And these are just those missed opportunities. That's why it's so important to be open and honest. Yes. Honesty. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's like, I'm okay. Like, I can deal if the answer was just no in general. I can live with that. Yeah, I know where I stand now, but the whole lead up and everything and it's just this is my dating advice for people. If you want somebody to know how you feel, you just got to fucking tell. them. Just be honest. You got to tell them. Games don't work. No, they don't. And why play like just fucking say so. And then you're just like, okay, cool. Like I know where I stand. mm -hmm. That's that's the line. Yes. You know, road to hell's paved with good intentions. Yes. So I'm rooting for you, Jake. (laughs) I want you to find like the perfect person. And I know she's out there somewhere. I think it'll be really wonderful. And I'm excited for you. I'm totally cool just hanging with myself. Yeah. Until that person enters the scenario. Who is that person? Who are you, person? (laughs) Are you listening? Let us know. Please. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, that's so funny. That's such a good story. It is. It's not like, I I don't mean to say like it's it's a good story because it made you sad. It's a really valuable lesson. Of course. I I can see where I like fucked up and Mm -hmm. I can see like, okay, yeah, I did not handle this in a way that is maybe should have been. Have you ever thought of hitting the dating apps hard when you're having a lonely moment? Honestly, no. How come? Because in that moment, it just feels like I'm looking for something momentary. Do you do you know who your type is? Do you know like what? Who's what's your type? You have a oh, type? God, I don't even know if I really do. See, you need to get one. <sighs> yeah, maybe hone in on something more specific. Yeah, you got to figure but- out who your girl is and what <laughs> she's like. What she looks down to, like what she looks like, to what she acts like. I honestly probably just someone laid back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I kind of go out of my way to make things work. 
with everyday things. So, like, if somebody doesn't, like, want to go for some type of food, I'll be like, yeah, okay, I don't need to have this. Well, what do you want? And just yeah. generally stuff like that. So, in that same sense, like, yeah, I, I can make things work. I don't like apps in general just because you, you don't know who you're, yeah. who you're meeting up with. How is dating for you? Not really focusing on it too much. I don't need to date somebody just to date somebody. I kind of take it at my own pace. I have all the apps. Don't really focus on them. Okay. I want to date somebody if I'm not actually interested. Yeah. I also don't think it'd be fair to do that, to go on dates with people I'm not actually interested in. It, a lot of it came down for me, timing. Yeah. A lot, a lot of bad timing and stuff. Yes. But again, I, at this stage and at a later stage of my life, definitely am more okay with myself as a person and spe- enjoying my own company. Yes. So, like, if, if anything, if I'm not spending time with other people, I'm fine just being by myself. Yeah. It's totally cool. I've had to learn how to be okay with being by myself. Mm-hmm. There was a time in my life where it was the biggest struggle for me. Oh, absolutely. If left to my own devices, I was like, I need somebody to hang out with me today because I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. I went crazy on a couple of occasions, mm. like just had full blown meltdowns and would just like cry and freak out because I wanted to be around somebody kind of like my dogs. Like when I leave my dogs <laughs> alone and I watch them on the camera and they're just screaming. Mm-hmm. That's how I was uh, when left alone. I'm generally like I can do anything mm-hmm. if I'm with people I like, mm-hmm. like I'm not picky. I can, I can find enjoyment in whatever, but I've also come to the conclusion that like yeah if people aren't around or if i'm doing my own thing yeah i still like what i can accomplish by myself yes that's cool that's something i've had to learn Mm -hmm. and now i'm good at it now i'm like no one's home yes (laughs) i get to watch what i want to watch on tv or listen to what i want to listen to do anything like do anything that's a lot of fun to me which for whatever reason i felt was off the table and i think back on on times where i like was freaking out about not having people. Why didn't I just have fun by myself? Why didn't I just go? I had a car. Mm -hmm. I could have gone anywhere. I could have done anything. But I just felt like if I was doing it by myself, it wasn't any fun, which is so silly. If I could just go back and slap some sense into my (laughs) younger self. but I feel that way from time to time. Mm -hmm. It is. Especially in social scenarios, at least. What advice would you give to people who are maybe going through depression, feeling suicidal, not loving life so much? So I would say ever since that whole point in my life where I was feeling at my lowest, in the aftermath of that, I've met some of my closest friends Mm -hmm. and had fulfilling career. Generally, having a rosy outlook that like, yes... Life is what you make it. It may seem like the end of the world, but it is truly not because there are people around you who love you, even if they might not say it every day or every week. So I, 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 my advice would just be, you know, let the people in your life know that you care and be open and honest. Take, take each day as if it's, you know, building to something great. I try to be as open about this stuff with people as possible oh, because... Yeah. I want them to know that one, I'm human. And two, like maybe that they become aware that there's a place to talk about this. Absolutely. It's not an easy conversation. Sometimes Uh people aren't comfortable, but it definitely helps. And you know what? It's widespread and anybody can benefit from just 
hearing it or getting it out there. Because some people have said like, hey, dude, if you ever need to reach out, like just reach out, just say something. And I'm always like, okay. And then I don't. <laughs> you, you always hear like people say like, you know, always tell people you love them, like mm-hmm. reach out to the people you love and, and stuff like that. And it, it like, it always sounds so obvious. Yeah, it's just difficult for some people or they're like consume. I mean, there's so many reasons before I don't matter, but I think that's my first reason in my own mind. If I put it into perspective, that person works a job. They have a partner. They have things to do. They have a booked calendar. They have a mm-hmm. lot of friends. And it's not necessarily that I don't matter, yeah. but it's like an out of sight, out of mind thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just like coming to a conclusion, like, yeah, it's not about me. It's completely different life, completely different person. Just like getting used to that. Sounds very narcissistic of me. <laughs> no, no. I, but it, it's true. It's learning to like reconcile. And yeah, put it into perspective. My first ever therapist, I talked to her about how like I had a lot of shame about being fat. And like, I, I don't want to go to the gym because I don't want people to judge me for being fat at the gym. You know, even though I'm trying to work on myself, I don't want anybody to think, oh, look at that fat girl at the gym, which is like, what an asshole to say something like that. Right. If somebody goes, look at that fat girl at the gym and it's like, yeah, she's trying to work on herself, you know, is the next thing to say. I was so consumed with what if people at the gym are like, why is this fat girl here? And then she said to me, why do you think you're so important? I don't know. And she said, well, why do you think that everybody at the gym is going to be thinking about you? Yeah, it's like you're the you're the main character of your own story. Mm-hmm. You're a background character in everyone else's. That's right. That's exactly right. I hadn't thought about it that way until she said that. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's true. I'm just over here like having a meltdown. But nobody knows Mm -hmm. because they're all doing their own shit and probably having their own meltdown. Yeah. And wishing that I would reach out first. (laughs) Absolutely. Jake, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Thanks for weathering this heat storm in here. (laughs) So sorry it's so hot. No, it's it's not your fault. LA's a heat sink. Until next time, podcast out. Podcast sound. Yeah. And I was like,